the bells already been rung, and they've heard it. about finally having everything you always wanted. Welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Squadcast. And Scott, we just had a little fun thing we got to be a part of. Absolutely. Um, this we you know, Full disclosure, we are recording on Sunday night, and this was the day of Deck the Hall of Justice, a wonderful full-day event of streams that was all about raising money for AFSP, organized by Andre from The Nicotina Show. So thank you, Andre, for putting this all together. And thank you to Dave, the film junkie. He invited us on to be on his show, where we we knew ahead of time that Zack Snyder was going to be there with him and Chris Wong Swenson from Ping Pong Flicks. And we had an opportunity to speak with Zack, and it was it was a nice time. I, I enjoyed myself. How about you? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, because I, I, I had family stuff going on all day, and then like when I knew the time, that Zach was going to be coming on. I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to make it. So uh, I was kind of like prepared that, you know, it, it wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen. And then uh, like timing wise, because I basically the, the whole thing I was doing was going to end at a certain time. And like, I know how it is like getting out on time. <laughs> yes. And uh, so I'm like, well, it's it's just not going to happen. So I, I basically told you earlier, yeah, I'm probably not going to be there. And then it just kind of worked it and it looked like it was going to happen. So I was able to get home on t- in time. So yeah, again, thanks to Dave and, you know, and Andre as well for organizing organizing all this this was this was a lot of fun it was a good it was it was kind of fun to have a real laid-back chat with Zack Snyder yeah absolutely I, I love how we both happened to have our copies of Blood Meridian <laughs> sitting and that was completely not planned that was kind of fun though no it wasn't planned I I had I've had it out now I've been wanting to revisit it you know it's been a long time since I read it so I'm about a fourth of the way through it right now okay. so yeah. Cormac McCarthy is great it is as dark and depressing as everyone says it is it, I, it is yeah it, it, there was not false advertising no and I and I went ahead and I definitely um, I stuck my neck out. I was shameless, and I do feel no guilt about that, and totally was like, hey, Zach, you want to come on DC Film Squadcast? We'd love to have a chat with you. So, we'll see, guys. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's in, he's up for the idea. He, he said, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I think timing-wise, if we can, you know, circle back around with him, it'll probably be, you know, sometime early next year, probably, you know, uh, February, March time frame, if we can if we can make this happen. Yeah, so yeah, cross your fingers, guys. Yep. We'll see what happens. But until then, just a reminder that we are members of Squadcast Media, which does include our film and TV review shows, which includes, of course, our show, DC Film Squadcast, DC TV Squadcast, Fans Without Borders, Marvel Squadcast, and all the iterations of Squadcast movies. <laughs> That's right. We do have iterations of that, don't we? Uh, we also have some comics review shows. We have DC Comics Squadcast, the Horror Comics Podcast, and Enter the Night, which is about ready to go public. We have recorded our 10th episode, which we said we we're going to bank about 10 episodes before releasing it. So I, I would imagine shortly before 
the beginning of the next year, that show is finally going to be public. I can't wait for people to listen to that. Now, I will fully admit I've only listened to the first episode because I know I've read Detective Comics number 27. <laughs> I'm not so certain how much I've read of the ones leading up to that, and I want to read those yeah. stories before I listen to the podcast, but you and Jordan are doing a great job, and so I can't wait for the wider public to get to listen to that show. Yeah, thank you. And and we're still trying to figure out the format. I mean, we, we kind of take the uh, the philosophy that we, we, we want to kind of tell the story so that if you don't have a chance to, to listen to it, you know, the the discussion is inviting. We, we kind of say, this is the story, and then we kind of give our thoughts on it, and we interject our thoughts throughout. So we're, we're, we're kind of tweaking the format as we go through it, but um, it's just been a ton of fun. I, 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 could, I can't believe how much lore was there from the start with Batman, which is great. I know, right? It's amazing. Oh, shout out to Bill Finger. Yeah. Because that's, that, that's all Bill Finger. Um, actually, it's not. Bill Finger was only the first two issues, and then it was Gardner Fox uh, for Ooh, the next okay. six, and then Bill Finger comes back for uh, issues eight, actually issues nine and ten. So. Ooh, I can't. Now, now I have to listen. Okay, yeah. good. I love a good education. <laughs> there you go. And if you guys want to go ahead and get an education right now, of course, you can head on over to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia, where $5 a month gets you access to all of this exclusive content, which does include our comic book movie edition of Squadcast Movies, which dropped Batman Begins, and we are we have a scheduled recording where we're going to finally be forcing Tim to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, boy. It, it's going to be like that scene from Clockwork Orange. It just it really is. It, it, it might have to come to that from from the way you guys are, are trying to grease the skids on that one. I, I may have to get the toothpicks out. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I wish I'd been putting out my DC Christmas carols. My whole computer situation has really made this. Is there a good, like, Grinch song? Because, I mean, that's a scent. That would be so fitting right now. Uh, I, You know what? I have got to look at the book where I'm getting these songs from. If if that's a personal request, Tim, <laughs> I will make that happen. If it's if it's in the book, I will make that happen. No, I, mean, I just figure it's kind of fitting, you know, considering, you know, your your computer, quote, unquote, uh, got accidentally, quote, unquote, damaged. <laughs> oh, God, stop it. You are, you're going to get me in so much trouble with my wife. Uh, like I need to do that. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Uh, yeah, this is our last episode before we get to review another DC film, Wonder Woman 1984. And this is going to be such a w- interesting way to review and review a movie. Yeah, like it's such a different experience. Like I said, I hope to have already watched on HBO Max and in the theater by the time we record next week. Yeah. So yes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's kind of get up to speed on what happened this past week. Well, speaking of HBO Max, um, <laughs> as it, it's it's either I want to say HBO Max has finally dealt a royal flush, or it's like Pokemon and they finally caught them all. <laughs> but so as the week was going on, they first announced that Warner Media and Comcast have come to a deal, and now the HBO Max app is on Xfinity, X1, and Flex. Now I'll be honest with you, I am completely unaware of this service because Comcast is not an internet service provider in my area. So do you know anything about Comcast and their internet? I mean. I mean, it's it's a provider in my area, but I mean, everyone I know uh, seems to get uh, their internet through AT and T. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just a uh, obviously it's just regional, right? Certain regions have it. I guess so. But the point is, is that once again, another vendor making HBO Max available, which of course just increases the ability for people to sign up for the service. And then, like the next day, they finally announced that HBO Max was available on the PS Five. So if you are lucky enough to have been able to acquire a <laughs> PS Five, you can now watch HBO Max 
on your PS5, but that was not the news of the week, Tim. Oh, I, I think the news of the week had something to do with a four-letter word, and we're not talking about something that Batman's going to say. <laughs> Which I think we talked about last week. That, that was last week's news. That Come was last on. week's news. No, we're talking about Roku. It's it's there now. Yeah. As of December 17th, Warner Media and Roku finally ironed out their deal and it, it was amazing because the day that we got the news that HBO Max finally secured Roku, their news was to say, it'll be available tomorrow. Yeah, they were ready to just flip that switch, weren't they? They were. So it was kind of cute because they, the Twitter accounts were kind of playing footsie. It's like, hey, we got some news. Oh, should we tell them? Like yeah. it, It's that, that corporate social media synergy. But yes, so right now, Roku, if you have a Roku, I guess TV, box, whatever, you now have HBO Max. This was very good for Roku because Roku's stock uh, rose 4% after the announcement was made. <laughs> okay. This was good for Roku. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's a, it's good for everybody. I mean, there is, these things never benefit us, the consumers, you know, when these when we have these like little disagreements and about access. The, the one thing I found interesting on this, which I, I don't know how I missed this, but apparently Warner Media has a plan to roll out a version of HBO Max with ads in 2021. Yes. No, they, they've always... Because uh, Stanky have, has talked about that before. So I'd heard about that. Okay, yeah. I just don't remember that detail because it, it never was really applicable to me, I guess. So I probably kind of ignored it. But So that was that was kind of one of the sticking points here is that Roku is expected to get a share of, um, of basically the ad revenue as part of that. And that's so that's like one of the biggest sticking points in the negotiation. Yeah, because um, Roku can now no longer sell the HBO channel subscription, kind of like what Amazon used to do, where like you purchased it as an add-on. And because we talked talked about that part where they wanted HBO Max to be its own standalone app. And so Roku will be able to sell subscriptions to HBO Max using Roku Pay. So, th- you know, I guess that's one way they're going to be able to, you know, dip into the pot. And then in addition, Roku wanted rights to a selection of HBO Max content for the free ad-supported Roku channel. But that's not part of the final deal. So that was something Roku wanted and Warner Media was like, no, that ain't going <laughs> to happen. So they were trying to come up with an agreement. Uh, about how to split the ad-supported reduced-price version that you were talking about that apparently is slated to come out in late 2021. And that's because Roku, unlike the other big, you know, streaming services, they fully rely on revenue generated via partner content and services to sustain their business model. So Roku's standard deal terms for content providers is to take 20% of subscription fees and 30% of ad inventory. So basically, Roku was like, how are we going to make money off of this? But I guess they ironed all of that out because no financial deals were uh, revealed. But basically, the the articles that I was reading was basically saying, here's what the sticking points were. We just don't know what the final terms ended up being on this deal. Yeah. But whatever those deal, whatever those terms end up being, the point is, you know, it, it's Warner Media and HBO Max has now secured all of the venues in the United States. Like now they can be on any device you have, it seems like. Yeah, looks like it. Have you ever had a Roku before? Yes, I have. Actually, Roku was my first streaming box. Yeah, I, me too. I bought a Roku back 
um, oh man, like years ago. And I remember I replaced it with my Apple, the Apple TV that I have now. The Roku is what I replaced, but I had the Roku for years. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I never, I, I threw mine away basically once I got the Apple TV. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think back. Like I wasn't like a big fan of it. Like it was a little clunky to me, but I mean, that was years ago. Yes, the, the interface. The interface I mean, was not that great. It worked fine, yeah. but the interface was not very user-friendly. Yeah, and I, and I kind of feel like most uh, TVs nowadays just have all the, you know, different apps available anyway. But they also have Roku TVs. So the point was that if you wanted to have the HBO Max app on one of those TVs, Roku had to make this deal. Right. So we've got a movie coming out Friday. One way or the other, if you're in the United States, because technically if you're international, you know, yeah. most of you, if your theaters are open, you've got it. You've seen it. We, I, I've seen the reactions. And I said this on the vodka stream tonight, and I want to say it again right now. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of our international listeners who have seen Wonder Woman 1984 and have been very restrained and respectful in their social media reactions because no one in our circles, no one in our timeline is trying to spoil this movie for us. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt. Now, I, I haven't really, you know, I'm I, I'm not on social media nearly as much as I used to be. So it's like I, I'm not even really exposing myself to potential spoilers. But uh, just in general, have you gotten a sense, is, is there like something big to be spoiled here? The biggest thing that I have heard is the, the whatever the mid credit scene is whatever the credit scene is okay that's one of those really big spoilers that people are trying to avoid okay and, and that's why you know patty when they had screened it before did not show it to people that had seen you know previews of the film right exactly yeah. okay okay yeah I, that was it i mean i i just didn't know and and so and I, I don't know if you do this but like even when i go to kind of look at twitter i will kind of like kind of halfway cross my eyes squint them so that yes. i don't so I'm I'm just looking to see like do I see a couple keywords that are just gonna set me off and then I'll like look away. <laughs> I do the exact same thing. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, on top of that, you know, obviously the press tour is going around right now, and and Patty Jenkins was interviewed uh, as part of Empire Magazine, and just a few different quotes are pulled out of here, and, and I think a couple of these are just gonna be really informative uh, when it comes to Patty Jenkins and her influences. Uh, the question was asked, you know, what's the first film that she saw in a theater that really had an impact on her, and she came out and said Superman. She's talking about the one from 1978. She said, it's one of the reasons I'm here today because I had a profound experience seeing that movie as a seven-year-old and it spoke to me and moved me and inspired me in a very deep way. So like when I first read that, I was kind of like sitting there thinking, yeah, I mean, when I was at that age, you know, it had a big impact on me as well. But but she goes on to elaborate why it inspired her so much. She says, not to deep dive into uh, something that's too personal, but her father died a month before that movie came out. So she says that I just went to go see a superhero movie. You expect it to be silly or nothing. And it was so profoundly honest in a way about the loss of the father and the boy on his own and who he became. And I was Superman. So when Superman overcame his loss and moved forward and became a hero and was brave and yet had weaknesses, it was me. And it's why to this day, I believe in the metaphors of superheroes so deeply. We always use religious figures or mythical figures to tell these universal stories. Right now, superheroes are our amazing vehicle for doing that. A lot of people 
people can do really stupid things with superheroes, but they're ripe for the picking to do profound things with. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I lo- One, we know that she has had a connection to the Donner Superman film. Right. We know about uh, Donner kind of giving her the baton back in 2017 when Wonder Woman came out. And there are the obvious homages to Donner Superman in the film. But what I love about this, and I want people to hear from this, is that there is a profound, genuine, honest reason. It's not just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. I mean, I I didn't know about her father. I didn't either. This is... This is amazing that she would share that. And then at the end when she says people can do really stupid things, but you can do really profound things with them, that that says so much to me personally. Yeah. No, I mean, that's just, you know, especially just citing the connection because, I mean, th- that's one thing, you know, and, you know, you know, my father is still around as well. But just to, as a kid, picturing, you know, young Clark's like father dying as it was depicted so well in that film and so tragically, uh, I can only imagine like, you know, this is a month after she had lost her father and I, I can totally understand why this film genuinely means something to her so I, I'm I'm so happy that you know she kind of like uh, opened up and revealed that because that that to me is so informative yeah hey I want to take this opportunity though is like we've both now listened to the Wonder Woman 1984 score by yeah. Hans Zimmer uh, you want to just provide some non-spoilery type of just general thoughts about the score yeah I mean it, you know it, it's a Hans Zimmer score but it, it definitely has a different feel to it it, it feels like a progression of uh, Wonder Woman's character. And, uh, you know, it, and this is like this little interim period between, you know, obviously the tragedy that Wonder Woman experienced in World War One, And of course, the events that we have, the real tragic events uh, that happened in Batman v Superman. This is that that interim period in the 1980s. And I, and I, I was just really struck at, at how fitting it was. And it, it just really had a, a, it was a nice change of pace feel to it. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I dug it. it I can't tell you how happy I was to have another Hans Zimmer score to listen to. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I really have a, I really do have a flavor and Hans Zimmer is my Baskin Robbins. What, yeah. what can I say? But it was also interesting to hear him do some different things with some inspirations for some other composers that was fun hearing Hans's spin on that. And then also hearing music that made, that evoked previous, in, like, I felt like he was influencing himself. Right. And I don't want to say what specifically because I don't want to influence someone's listening to the score. Right. So if you've not, I mean, it, you can stream it anywhere at this point. You can buy it digitally or if you've got any of the streaming services like Spotify or Apple Music, do your, a, if you're someone who likes to listen to scores even before you see the movie, go check this out. Yeah. It, I really enjoyed listening to it and I haven't listened to it enough in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've listened to it one time all the way through and I've listened a couple bits uh, since then and and uh, so I will definitely before uh, see the film. I'm I'm one of these guys that like wants to hear the score like two or three times ahead of time if I can do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Patty was with Collider and Stephen Weitraub did ask her about the possibility of an extended cut or a director's cut on home video release. And we talked about this last week. I even brought it up and I thought it was interesting. Patty actually said, no, I wouldn't even want to. The reason why is because I grew up with the pacing of films being a little bit slower. And I think that's great. And when I show those movies to my son, 
There's no part of him that thinks they're too slow. But she said, uh, but I'm also a director, so who knows? I may be indulging myself and just playing around in scenes for too long to sustain the movie. Generally, directors do that when you leave them alone. So that's the only difference that I end up having is that I would like to take a little more time and have a little more air all over the place in scenes we really had anyway. And that's it. But she said everyone else probably couldn't tell the difference. And so she basically, while she admitted last week that, you know, probably about 15 more minutes and she would prefer that, she's basically saying, but that's not worth it for me to release a different version on home video. And so, nope, the version we're seeing in the theaters is the version we're going to get forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. And and I usually kind of go with uh, director's instincts on this anyway. Anytime I see these additional scenes that were cut, you know, on the home release, usually and I think we've talked about this before. Usually when I watch him, I was like, yeah, that was a good cut. It's a it's a fine scene. But like, it, you know, it, I think all these things definitely comes to what's its impact on pacing. Yes. So. And, you know, and, and basically if Patty doesn't want the cut, then I don't. We don't OK. Yeah. Um, my big thing about director's cuts is if that's some if that's what the director wanted. Yeah. And I was, you know, as a, as a fan of actors and seeing, you know, uh, these characters played out. I mean, I always enjoy seeing them. But, you know, definitely I defer to the. Uh, the filmmaker when it comes to like what makes a good clean cut and then of course zach who's an executive producer on this film uh you know wanted to make sure that he was sharing the love and so on vero he shared a picture of gal's first day on set in costume back in july 2014 on bvs and you can tell from the shot that it's from the the doomsday fight at yeah. the end yeah and so he went on to say i knew the first time i saw her in fall of 2013 she was my wonder woman so proud of how she has embodied this character with love and Grace, hashtag WW84, and then he tags Gall and Patty. Yeah. So it was so nice. And he also had very wonderful, war- heartwarming, positive things to say about the film and Patty and Gall tonight uh, on uh, Dave's show that we get to be a part of. So it's, guys, go see the movie. Yeah. You know, go see the movie, or if you're in the United States, after, you know, just sit on your couch and turn on <laughs> HBO Max. <laughs> Whatever you feel comfortable with, go do it. Yeah. Definitely support these films. Um, and we We'd heard about this, uh, I think last week we, I'm not sure if we talked about it, we may have skipped over it because last week was just so jam-packed, but it has been revealed that a beautiful lie from Batman v Superman is being incorporated into the Wonder Woman 1984 score, and but it's not in the score. But it's in the film. Right. So don't go looking for it when you listen to the soundtrack album. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a piece that belongs in another score. And uh, there's no reason it needs to be in in this particular uh, soundtrack. But I I think it's great that, you know, they're treating this as something that exists within this DC universe. And it's a nice nice composition. And, you know, why not use it, basically? I I think the quote was, you know, um, you know, saying, why are we doing this? It's in the DC universe. If this is a song that existed in their movies, why would it not? come back so i like that especially you know when you have these films which are clearly you know still connected together and then you have a composer that is spanning a few dip, few of these different films i mean I, I love seeing that connective tissue apparently it was being used in that traditional way of it was temp it was temp score that eventually between conversations with patty and hans they were like no let's just keep it yeah and it and it and, and the idea was this this piece wasn't written specifically you know it was written for this other movie but then it but then the idea was so now it belongs in this universe right which by the way i think we've talked about this before listen to steven price's score for suicide squad you can hear a beautiful lie used with deadshot too so it's like it 
has ingratiated itself into the universe already. So I yeah. I like that. It, it just it adds more connective tissue in a very subtle way throughout these films. Yeah, I mean it's such a beautiful piece. I I'm, I couldn't be happier that it's being used. And and I don't care you know if it's directly linked to something in context or not. I, I think the feeling that the um that that composition invokes is you know it it must be clearly kind of fitting with whatever scene that Patty is trying to show at that at moment. So I yeah. can't wait to see that thing just actually pop in. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the review embargo apparently uh, lifted this week because everybody and their mother has a Wonder Woman review that you can go and read <laughs> if yeah. you so choose. I have not read a single review. The closest I've come to reading reviews is reading their headlines as I was cut and pasting them into the show notes for posterity. Yeah. So we ain't going to be reading any of these reviews. No, no. I, I did see that it was certified fresh, which, I, you know, whatever for whatever that well, whatever that means, you know our feelings on Rotten Tomatoes, but I know it certainly matters to uh, a lot of people, just not on this show. Yeah, I think it's high 80s was yeah. the last time I checked. Yeah. So whatever, I don't care. Yep. It's like, I'm going to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. So once again, guys, go out, go either go out if you can, go out if you feel safe, or just stay home and check, check on uh, HBO Max, watch Wonder Woman 1984, available this Friday. Our next episode, which we plan to record next Saturday night, will be our full-on spoiler-filled review of Wonder Woman 1984. Yep. So Zack Snyder posted a little teaser image on Vero, and he said, my whole sound crew is doing an amazing job. Hashtag Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, kind of. He misspelled it. <laughs> oh, you mean Zack's... I, 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 I this new <laughs> upcoming director, Zack Snyder? Yeah, Snyder's. <laughs> he, he does it so often, it's just kind of funny when you see it. But it's a, it looks like it's a scene between uh, Lois and Martha talking in Lois's apartment. So uh, it's, or at least we think it's Martha. We don't know. No, we don't. We, th- we think it's someone else. We, we don't. <laughs> we don't know at this point. We haven't seen this freaking movie. No, we haven't. So that sparked a lot of conversation, uh, as well as a couple other images. I think the um, the other one was uh, uh, Zach's posted a picture of him in front of an IMAX camera. He says, went down to IMAX to see all the big aspect ratio glory. Yeah. And then showed an image of the dark side shot from the trailer, like on an IMAX screen. Yeah. And it was like, but not, not a 4.3, a more of a 1.4.3, like, yeah. like the IMAX screen that I would go to, like, down the road at my multiplex. Right. Like, that's that's the aspect ratio he was looking at there, which kind of led to the kind of news this week that, yeah, it's pretty much guaranteed we're getting a theatrical release of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is just kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But I, I did my thing. I, I did that thing that I do, that when people start doing the Q&A in Vero comments, I start grabbing screenshots shots so that I can kind of collect all of the all the relevant Q&A in one place. And of course, I did that this week because, you know, I do it for you, the people. <laughs> the people. <laughs> the people. And so, okay, so here's some of the relevant tidbits I got from the Q&A if you've not already seen this. So we do have a new poster that's going to be incoming. Uh, it's also been pretty much acknowledged that probably they're going to give Wonder Woman 194 at least a couple of weeks. So we're kind of looking at January is going to be the beginning of the promotional cycle for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we are getting a new poster. At the time, uh, so this was about five days ago, uh, Zack said that they were about 75% down 
done with CGI and visual effects shots. He gave a new update tonight on Dave the Film Junkie's live stream, which was more like they're more to like 80 something percent at this point. He did a really cool breakdown where he was like 81, 82% done. Um, 100% of these shots are in a different format. So like everything is something you haven't seen before. So like they were, they're updated numbers. But so basically they've, they've, they've completed about five to six more percent of the VFX, you know, over the course of this week. Nice. Uh, you know, first it was someone asked uh, if this was still dropping in the first quarter of 2021. And he said, yes. Now we pretty much know because he pretty much said it, March. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting this in March. Yeah. Came right out and said it. Yeah. Someone asked if there was going to be a post credit scene and he said no, which it's keep. He's never had a post credit scene in, in, in a movie that's actually his. Everything is in the movie. Yeah. I mean, he's entertained the idea of it before, but I mean, he hasn't done one up to this point. So sounds like he's not doing one with this one. Although who knows? You know, maybe he's going to surprise us. Yes. I love the joke when someone said that this, when Philip Barker as, as said it's going to sound epic in IMAX and he joked, these guys are so good. It sounds epic on your effing phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, someone asked if Zack Snyder's Justice League is canon and his response was, that's up to you. Let's make a canon. And that kind of also tied in with something Ray Fisher said. Uh, Ray Fisher was interviewed on Poindexter Lounge today as part of Deck the Hall of Justice. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. And he even said, it's canon if you want it to be. And if the fans make it canon, it's kind of like, a, it's kind of up to us. to to If you want it to be canon, it's going to be canon. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm calling it canon. I'm just going to call it right now. I'm calling it canon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gillis15 asked if we're going to get a monochrome version option of Zack Snyder's just like at some point, and he, he said yes. Nice. So we're definitely going to get that black and white version. I mean, he pretty much yeah. said that yeah, he did. at his trailer breakdown. Uh, the Come Together cover by Gary Clark Jr. and Junkie XL is not going to be in the movie. Okay. So I'd speculate that meant either that A, that was a compromise that he's getting rid of, or B, it just... In the last three years, the song just doesn't fit anymore. You know, and and, and I'm actually, I, you know, I enjoy the song, uh, it, but I, I have such like a negative reaction to it when I hear it now because I, Why? I, I only because I think of the Joss Whedon version. I see. I never do. Okay. No, I do. I do. Yeah, I think of that trailer. You know. But the, no, that trailer was like the good one. The uh, first one was, was the, all the first it? one. It was in. Yeah, that's trailer number one. That's like 100% Zach. Okay, that was number one, wasn't? It? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but I would just say making a change just kind of makes us feel even more like a new film to me. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and thankfully I own like the vinyl of that song of the of that song, and I'll still get to enjoy it. We have, I, I think it's no shock to anyone that we can expect another trailer. And that was another detail that Zach shared on the stream tonight was that pretty much we're looking at January. Is did is that what you understood? Like probably January is this new trailer we're going to be getting. Yeah, I mean I think it's pretty clear, Zach is being extremely respectful as best as he can uh, to allow Wonder Woman to kind of have its moment. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like January-ish. Oh, and it was kind of funny. For a hot minute on Thursday night, the official Snyder Cut Twitter handle that's run by HBO Max did change its name to Zack Snyder's Justice League. And then like five minutes later, changed it right back to the director's cut of Justice League. But if you look (laughs) in the bio, it still says Zack Snyder's Justice League coming to HBO Max 2021. So, I 
got we all got really excited and then they changed it back and we were like oh what's a verified account is that like is it some weird thing about the official name that that is the that's what everyone thinks it's, it's a bug with the fact that it's a verified account which once you're verified you really can't yeah change your name but if you look in the bio the bio still says Zack Snyder's just like I mean we all know that's the title. Right. Like, he got the title. Yeah, that's what we hear. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just, I just, I just, I even wrote in the show notes, and then it changed back, shaking my head. <laughs> right. Oh, did you, um, did you see that Patty was out talking about the third act of Wonder Woman? Yeah, I did see that. Uh, now, I, I, do we have the quotes in our notes here? I don't have the quotes. I had, I had the video. Okay. I, I, I can, I can paraphrase what she said. Yeah, but just go ahead and paraphrase I, it. That basically, she even admitted that we knew that the third act was a reshoot because we knew that one to our eyes because we're a little bit more picky about vfx than other people we could tell it wasn't quite as polished as the rest of the film also we knew that reshoots had happened because gall was pregnant during the reshoots of that scene right and patty jenkins prima and we knew that that there was concept art of a completely different third act well a different depiction of aries yeah depiction of Ares and it played out differently and Patty Jenkins finally is just kind of spilling the tea and going yeah that was a studio thing it was last minute they made me change it (laughs) very pointed words yes made me change it so that of course ignited the whole Wonder Woman third act debate because some people are tired of people pointing that out I think you and I will say that if you go back and listen to our original Wonder Woman review that was actually one of our criticisms of the movie like we've been consistent about that since 2017 so I I did notice um, the hashtag released the Jenkins cut <laughs> floating around. So I don't even know if it was ever shot, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, I mean, it probably like, wasn't shot. Yeah. Well, actually, I know there was like, um, I know there were some early screenings, and I don't know if it was just like um, uh, 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 placeholder VFX shots or anything, but it was it was supposedly not received well, and then that's where uh, it was kind of uh, supposedly gone back and, and kind of retooled that ending. Yeah, so... That just, I just, it was just, Patty has been spilling the tea lately. It's like she feels a certain amount of freedom now to speak up. Yeah, she does. She does. Well, good. I'm glad she is. Yeah. Yeah, and me too. Speaking of speaking up, um, Gal Gadot, uh, actually, on a couple of different interviews, one with the LA Times, uh, acknowledged that she was interviewed as part of the Warner Media investigation uh, into the reshoot situation with Justice League. And she told, this comes from the LA Times. It says, although she declined to elaborate further, Godot uh, acknowledged she had her own, quote, experience with the director, speaking about Joss Whedon, which was resolved to her satisfaction. I'm happy for Ray to go out and speak his truth, said Godot. I wasn't there with the guys when they shot with Joss Whedon. I had my own experience with him, which wasn't the best one, but I took care of it there and when it happened. I took care of it to the higher, I took it to the higher ups and they took care of it, but I'm happy for Ray to go up and say his truth. Yeah. I mean, so this is the thing. This is the big difference because, you know, Gal was all already pretty much entrenched as being a very important, you know, A-list um, actress in this franchise. Ray was not. And and so she was able to get it resolved at the time. And that's the thing. Like, Ray, you know, apparently tried to get this addressed at the time and, and it didn't go anywhere. And, and that's the big difference here, really. Yeah. And then... Uh Gall also was talking to Variety and she said, I know that they've done a very thorough investigation, even just by how much time I spent with them. Hmm. And then when brought up about the the comments about Warner Media findings and the remedial action, Godot said, I don't know what that means either. 
I'm curious to know what's going to be the outcome. And then today, Ray Ray was on Poindexter Lounge for almost two hours. That's a, if you did not see that video, go to the go to Poindexter Lounge on YouTube. Enosh is a great guy. I've had a chance to hang out with him and talk to him before, and they had a really great personal conversation. And Ray stated that he has not been out there, kind of beating the drum, because he wanted to wait and give Warner Media the space to implement the remedial action. He also spilled a little bit of more tea about some of his conversations with Joss Whedon, but if you're interested, I would just say go watch the interview. It's worth your time. He's always such a great interview too. He's so laid back and just real. I mean, he he's so uh, likable and you just feel like you're actually sitting down next to the guy just at a bar talking. It's it's great. I, I could watch an interview with him anytime. Well, you, you've got one to, to take care of right now. Yep. Just, just, just saying. And then I just I actually want to end off with a little bit of comic book news because this kind of got me excited. Even though I am not reading Death Metal yet, apparently there is going to be a reborn multiverse after Death Metal is over. I think we all kind of knew that. But one of the new titles coming is a crime syndicate miniseries <laughs> on the it. reborn Earth 3. Ugh. Because the crime syndicate played a big part in the Jeff Johns uh, written Forever Evil event, which I really enjoyed Forever Evil, and the Crime Syndicate uh, was really well depicted, but apparently they're kind of doing a little bit of a multiverse reset, so I just think it's awesome the Crime Syndicate's getting their own, like, 12-issue book. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I, I just always felt like, you know, sometimes some of the most interesting stories are the villain stories, and I'm glad that they're, uh, I mean, there's multiple books. There's Isn't there even a Joker ongoing coming out? Uh, James uh, Tinian the Fourth is getting a, a Joker ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, I just, I just, but, but the crime syndicate one was like, dude, <laughs> I'm totally ill. I'm, you know, I'll, of course I'll wait till it comes on DC Universe Infinite. Yeah. But I'm going to be all over that. Yeah. Because I also recently rewatched Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, an amazing animated movie that is all about the Justice League versus the crime syndicate. So that, that I was like, I'm going to make Tim talk about this because <laughs> I think this is cool. Yeah. No, this will, this will be a fun one. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, and by the way, oh, one other thing, I didn't put this in your notes. Did you hear that Tom Taylor is going to be writing the new Nightwing book? No, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's taking over the monthly book. And and he even joked about, I've already killed Nightwing twice. I, I don't know how people <laughs> feel about this. But but I'm sorry, Tom Taylor is one of those writers that's just like, he writes a book, I'm reading it. Yeah. No, he, he's he's earned way too much goodwill on my part. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. I mean, even on social media, he's just a lot of fun to follow. So, cool. So, man, that's... I think that's an appropriate episode before a movie review episode. It's like just <laughs> like kind of quick, kind of quick, dirty, get in, get out. I, I think so. I think so. So, guys, let us know what you'd like, or let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at DC Film Squadcast on Twitter, and then on Twitter, you can find me at Alan Fire. You can find me on Twitter at Scott DC Twenty Seven. Of course, you can email the show at DC Film Squadcast at Gmail We're also on Vero, Facebook, and of course, you can find the entire network of shows at SquadcastMedia.com. All right. Well. If you'd like to help support us, you could always go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. That is it for this week. Go see Wonder Woman and join us back next week for our review. Spoiler filled. Spoilers. Spoilers. (laughs) All right, guys. In the meantime, before you see the film, go out, stay in, do whatever you have to do, but keep reading some DC. Bye, guys.
Okay, this is probably just, I feel like Tim, I just, this this is for Ray, because I feel like that, you know, he loves to just gripe about people, griping about the third act of Wonder Woman, but when Patty Jenkins herself is throwing <laughs> it under the bus, I'm just like, doesn't that just kind of give you carte blanche at this point? <laughs> it it kind of does. So are you are you suggesting we blow up Ray? How about we, we let Ray hold on to that third act so dear, and we blow them both <laughs> up at the same time? Just, just, just put them both out of their misery. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Go for it.